I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickofft.com slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to this specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. Launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. All right, welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Sheffer. And we've got another great episode. Today we've got our college football playoff reaction special episode. All right, the, uh, the first semifinal, number one, Alabama versus number four, Notre Dame. Uh, we can just go ahead and like quickly just like what do we think is going to happen? I think we're all – almost all of us are in agreement with what we think is going to happen. Uh, Coach Bennett, you want to go first? Which matchup? Notre Dame, Alabama. Um, what are we doing? Like keys to the game and score prediction? Sure. Yep. Uh, keys to the game for Alabama is just be Alabama. Um, key for Notre Dame, slow it down. See if you can get the folks at the bowl game to maybe grow the grass a little taller. Try to slow them down. I'm sure it's on turf. Um, are they, where are they playing? Pasadena? Nobody's playing in Pasadena. Texas. Playing Jerry World. Jerry World. Oh, yeah. The tide on the fast turf. Um, Notre Dame's got to slow it down and run the football. Um, Forty-five, twenty-four. 24. Okay. Roll, Roll tide, roll. All right, Coach Steve. If Notre Dame tries to run the ball, get some tight ends, do some shifts, you know, short passes, a little play action, get Ian Book outside the pocket. That's how they move the ball. Coach Bennett said it. You want to slow down Alabama, you better keep that offense on the sideline and Sarkeesian over there watching. 
uh, Alabama just needs to go out and just do what they do. Sarkeesian keeps calling plays like he is. This is a career-saving place all of a sudden for Alabama. You bring some guys in, they reinvent themselves. Uh, but I think it's going to be like 55 to 17 or something like that. I don't, I don't know. You know, if, if Clemson can do that to Notre Dame, I can't imagine what Alabama is going to do. So it's going to be like 55-17, 55-24, something like that. They can score 50 on Florida, who I think is better, like Ohio State and Notre Dame. I think they can do that there. All right. And Coach Heath? Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, if you are Brian Kelly, you say, Tommy, you've done a really good job all season, but you're not ready for Alabama. So let me take this one. Uh, and I think that's the key. I think that you have to have a little bit more experience in, in the play calling. I think it's, uh, you know, that's important um, for them to have any kind of shot. I, I think that, um, you know, you got to have wisdom of Brian Kelly to guide, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Bama is just too dominant. Uh, if they don't score at least seven touchdowns, you know, I, I'd be very surprised. So, I mean, that's that's all I got to say about that. To me, it's I, – I don't think that Notre Dame puts up more than three touches on them. That would be something something crazy has to happen for them to, you know I, – I mean, to tell you the truth, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't shut them out. Because I think Bama is just that much better. Just that much better. So, um, I guess I'll go 49 nothing. <laughs> if you want to ask me, it's 49 nothing. And, yeah, and Coach Steve, I think you mentioned a couple times that Notre Dame did not adjust very well on defense. I still don't think they're going to make many adjustments when they go up against Alabama, and and Sark is going to make them pay. Um, it's just – I'm not even going to try to come up with a score for this game because I don't want to. Oh, soft, <laughs> soft. Sermon. All right, Sermon. um – at the least, I think it's going to be 43, 42 to twenty-one. At least, I, I do think I do think Notre Dame can score, but I think they're going to be they're going to come late, and Alabama's going to get up on them early, and then just stomp their foot on their neck, and the scores are going to come late because they're going to try to throw the ball. I um, think it's fourteen-seven. Notre Dame at the end of one, and then you get that classic shot of Saban just screaming at one of his assistants, and then it's, then it's Katie bar the door. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about um, the next matchup. We've got Ohio State at number three versus <laughs> versus Clemson at number two. Coach Steve, I'm going to let you have this one first. Keys to the game and what you think the score might be. Ryan Day needs to quit being outsmarting himself because it looked like he was trying to make sure Fields got his and got some film during that Northwestern game because he was just passing, passing, passing. Fields wasn't hitting it. Overthrew a post by like eight yards. And then they started running the ball. He's like, oh, let's run the ball. This works. And then they got the red zone past it. So the keys of the game is Ryan Day quit being an idiot. If you're going to try to win, just run the ball. And again, it's kind of like Notre Dame. You got to keep Lawrence on the sideline. You got to keep Clemson's offense on that sideline and and take some clock. And you just got out formation and this and that. But at the end of the day, uh, Ohio State's uh, secondary is not very good. They lost a lot of NFL players. Are not the best. 
So their secondary is going to have to play well, which they're not. And Lawrence is going to kill them. They're going to be able to run the ball. It's going to be similar. I think it's going to be like a 55-24 game, something like that. And with Dabo talking a lot, I think he wants to put up those points. And I think he's trying to get under Day's skin to make them pass the ball if, and try to do that. I think he's really trying to push the envelope. So it's going to be like a 55-20 game maybe, okay. if not 17 again. Coach Heath is our resident Ohio State expert. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I told you earlier, there's two ways that Ohio State, uh, you know, we didn't see Master Teague. We saw a whole lot of, uh, you know, Sermon. Uh, and that's something new. That's you know, kind of a new development. Um, will he? Will they be able to do what they did against Northwestern? Uh, no. Uh, not against Clemson. And that's what Coach Bennett talked about earlier. Uh, it's a battle in the trenches. Um, you know, the, and it's going to be a key early on. Who Who's winning that? Because if the if the running game gets shut down, then yeah, you got to throw. Do they have Chris Olave? Um, are those young some of those young receivers going to step up? Um, you know, there's a lot. There's more question marks right now than anything. And I think if you're if you're Ryan Day, you've got to use that to your advantage. Um, you know, do you have to throw trickery in? I don't think so, but I think you definitely have to look at it. Um, the one thing that his time in the NFL. I think plays, you know, well here um, for him, for, for Ryan Day. Um, it's kind of a quick turnaround. I think that maybe you use some of that experience from the NFL on, um, you know, those quick turnaround, those weeks with, you know, with a quick turnaround. Um, you play Sunday, you're going to play Thursday. I think you got to kind of use that uh, experience and see what you can come away with because they're going to have to come up with something that Clemson is not expecting. Venables is too good of a defensive coordinator. You're not going to be able to – and you've got to hope that you're going to catch that momentum early and be able to to maintain it. They have to get out – to me, they have to – their first two possessions offensively, they have got to find a way to score. And it's not field goals. they got to get – got to get in the end zone. And they got to do it in the first two. And they got to – because you, you can't just – Say, well, okay, so we scored once. No, we've seen this. We've seen this movie. It ends badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got to you got to have momentum if you're Ohio State. But you also got – you're right. And you guys are right. But you said already, you got to be able to control the ball. Uh, and that's, you know, winning the line of scrimmage. With, you know, Sermon got all the yards because he didn't really have any, any kind of backup. It would be interesting to see. Master Teague is able to come back. Who else comes back? Um, if you don't get Chris Olave, no. No chance. Uh, if you don't get Master Teague back to have a one-two punch, there's no chance. And if Ryan Day can't come up with a game plan that uh, allows this game to become a chess match with uh, Will Venables, I, I think that that's, that's a problem. But I think at the end of the day, there's just too many pieces on the other side. Sean Wade is a guy who, if he wants to make big-time money for himself, he has to show up in this game. He has to do something, and he has to lead the, that young secondary. That you know, uh, Larry Johnson's better be coaching, doing the best coaching of his lifetime, getting those guys ready as well. It's going to take an all-out effort, uh, and then you wonder just to win, just to win this game, 
how much does it take out of you? Uh, you know, it's going to take a, it's going to take, I hate to say a perfect game, but it might just take a perfect game from, from the Buckeyes. That's the only way. There's only two ways that they win ball control and something different that, um, you know, they are able to, to score early and just kind of keep that momentum. All right. Coach Bennett. I didn't get a score prediction from Heath on that. What's the score prediction? <laughs> That's just it. I don't know. You know, if we talk about Buckeye A, then. Your best. Listen, I think it's. Here's the thing. It's the difference between 14 and probably four score and, and 28. That in my mind, that's what it is. Who? What's the product that is going to represent the Ohio State University? Is it going to be sample A or is it going to be sample B? To tell you the truth, neither one. Right now, I don't have faith in either one being uh, any more than fourteen points. There's a two score. There's a two score spread there for to me, uh, and it's it's not something I want to admit, but. These are facts, friends. These are facts. I love that. These are facts, friends. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I don't have many friends, but um neither do I, but I'm just trying to fake it until I make it. I will uh I'll be your friend then. Um I think the keys to the game for the I daughters the Ohio State University. Dial up a little air raid here for Coach uh, Steve. I think if the the running back that didn't run all over Northwestern, the other one, if he's back, they need to hop in a lot of blue and green and put two backs in the backfield and see how Venables plays it. Because if I'm not mistaken, when I've watched Ohio State, I haven't seen a lot of that. No. Um, because they've had that stud, and then they he gets hurt, and they just put another one in. Um, put them both back there, especially if you're down a receiver, or even if he's back. Getting some two-back stuff, try to slow it down, muddy it up, get fields close and comfortable in the flow of the game early. Um, he can certainly get away and make big plays with his legs, and if, he, if we let him run around forever, he'll burn us. Um, Ohio State's got to control the football, and the only thing that worries me from a Clemson standpoint is we have been prone to turning the football over this year, um, seemingly more than we have in, in the past. And I'm, I'm probably just hyper-focused on ETM fumbling the ball um, against Notre Dame. But Ohio State's got to control the clock, and take the ball away. Steal a possession somewhere. Onside kick early when it's unexpected or get a, get a strip sack or because I mean, God knows they're coming after 16. They're going to they're gonna chase him around. Um, surely they won't just sit back quarters and let him throw it. Um, that's for Ohio State. For Clemson, I think it's um, just be Clemson. Play Clemson plays well in big spots, and there's been times where they've they've had to gut it out 
think about last year against Ohio State, you'd make a really, really, really strong case that Ohio State was a better team than Clemson last year. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge you if you wanted to make that argument because they had a all-pro NFL defensive lineman who he didn't sack Trevor, but he made his life a living hell for four quarters chasing him around. He chased him into some car crashes, um, couple bad calls by the officials, and I'm not t- I'm not so much of a homer that I won't say there weren't some bad calls. There were some bad calls, but Clemson's had bad calls go against them too. Um, just didn't in that particular game. Uh, for Clemson, it's hold on to the ball, don't turn it over, end every possession with a kick. You do that, you should be all right. That's a that's a big difference, isn't it? You can talk about Clemson finishing with with a with a kick. You, I mean, that's another thing we I didn't even talk about. We talk about special teams in in big games. You know, and people say, you know, I mean, people are going to sit there and, and say, you're talking about a kicker, you're talking about a punter. Listen, the kick game hadn't been right for Ohio State all year. And the punt game, I mean, you got a, a decent backup punter, but Drew Christman is a big part of what, what Ohio State does as far as, like, field position. Give give Trevor a short field and watch what happens. It ain't good. It'll end with a kick. Yeah. Because the thing is, Clemson, VT Potter, the kicker for Clemson, he's a game changer. Because he always kicks it out of the back of the end zone, so you know where they're starting from. And he can – he's got the leg to kick it from 60 if he has to. If it mm. comes down to that. Um, I mean, he can boot it. And that's a game changer. And, and the, the punt team's been really good all year. The thing that always used to get Clemson when they – like when Coach Sweeney, when they were first starting to get good, like when Todd Boyd and all those guys were there, is they were maybe the worst kick coverage team on the planet. They were really bad. If a ball got returned, it was going to get returned for a while. Um, that's not the case so much anymore. I mean, Clemson's got to – the only – schematically, I think the only thing Clemson's got to do different that sometimes they do drift away from, and it's no shocker with me being the way I am, is they can't forget that nine's back there in the backfield. Hand him the ball. Don't throw it to him in the flats. Don't run him on an angle route. The screens are awesome, but don't, you don't have to run 15 on the game. Run power and get him going downhill. And I think that's where it comes into the Coach Caldwell versus Coach Johnson. Coach Johnson, one of the best offensive line coaches, one of the best defensive line coaches, they all, and both of them got players. Mm-hmm. That's it's such a it's such a fun, such a fun matchup. I mean, even even in the game, even though it was thirty-one nothing or something like that, the, the game where Clemson just beat the piss out of Ohio State, that game was still a war in the trenches. It was just Clemson made more big plays with their skill guys. But man, up front, that game, that game's still physical, 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 physical. Yeah, you know, and we talk about pieces. You know, the one thing you're talking about is hand the ball off to nine. Let's talk about what they do very well in the past game with with nine. Uh, as well, I mean, the way that they get him involved in the pass game is is a threat that that's 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 a scary thing for Ohio State too. Is because he, he doesn't necessarily have to kill you in between the tackles. He didn't have to kill you there. He can kill you in, in the pass game. They just just do a, such a great job of using the pieces that they have 
you know, that's one thing I worry about. You know, the Buckeye offense sometimes gets uh, very – it's two-dimensional. And I'm sorry. You can, take, you, can, you can take – yeah. ATN is the most underappreciated player in college football. Yeah, why don't, why don't people talk about him? I, I, I don't get – you know, we kind of – I don't understand it. I mean, he that's, a quality, along, that's a quality football player. He, he came it all at the same time as uh, – they built – Everybody in Clemson knew who Trevor Lawrence was and what number he was going to wear before he ever stepped foot on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, he just came along at a time where he's in between Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And those are two – I mean, how fortunate we've been to have two generational-type quarterbacks back-to-back. But then in, amongst them, we've wedged in – I mean, other than C.J. Spiller, probably the best Clemson running back that's been in the program in the last ever. That's I mean, the best. That's the best the ACC has, has seen. I mean, and that's one of the best. I mean, I was at Ohio State around a Heisman Trophy winner. Now, what he does each and every day, um, you know, I don't know, but he's doing something right. Well, why isn't he? He mentioned, I, yeah, and I know you're saying you're going to say, well. Trevor's the the face. He's the guy, you know. People love good quarterbacks. I mean, talking about a guy who he's going to be playing on Sundays and he's going to be good for a team because he can do it all. Even uh, I'm a running backs coach. Whenever I say if you're you can step in and pass pro, all right. That's the only thing to me. He maybe has to get a little bit better at in his game. He can catch the ball and he can run it. I mean, he's he's a dude. And yeah, that's yeah. scary too, because yeah. So so you you gear up to stop the run. They're throwing him in the pass game. How do you account for that? If you're sitting here trying to figure that, well, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, gear for the for the run. That's and, you know, again, that's that chess game. That's the that's the thing that it'll be fun to watch, no matter what the score is. Um, but I just think that there's too many pe- there's too many pieces. Too y'all many watch pieces. y'all watch what I say. I think they've been running Trevor a lot. So, so Ohio State and Alabama over-prepare for it. So oh, yeah, put that out there on film. Absolutely. So they, so they can hand the ball to nine. He, get a cre- he don't need – he don't need – but eight, he's much like your guy, Eddie George, about 18 inches of daylight is yeah. is all he – and I know that was old Walter Payton deal, but a gale sayer is one of the bear facts. But yeah. that's that's all that's all ETN needs. I mean, he's – I've been I've been around the program at practices and things, and, man – I think one of the reasons he's not highly touted. I mean, Coach Swinney sings his praises all the time, but he's only one. Is he's really not a? He don't care about that kind of stuff. He's just a. He's from no middle of nowhere in Louisiana, and all shucks kind of guy. He fits really well into uh, into what Coach Swinney's built because he don't really care about. If we if we play Ohio State and win and he takes it four times, he don't care as long as we win. He'd much rather do that than carry it forty and lose. Well, I I will say one last thing real fast. It's kind of funny and Coach Bennett, I've been saving this for Coach Bennett. So there's a every year and it's kind of you know Coach Sheffer kind of mentioned about you know with the bowl games and everything and uh, you know my son will watch Ohio State. But he has a certain liking for a certain team that wears orange, and uh, his mother is a graduate of the Ohio State University, and uh, I, of course, you know, spent my time there. So 
he uh he's close to being grounded and losing his phone because he uh he tends to like this team from from down south that, that wears orange that's that's real good but you know it, it's uh i can't hate him for for loving good football that's the bottom line and you know you know the thing that bothers me is i wish we were getting the better the best against best we're just not going to get it i you know either way i mean Again, Ryan Day says some guys are north of the the line as far as who gets to play out of those twenty two dudes, uh, and some of them are you know are on the. They're not going to change it again just to help Ohio State. They would have helped if they would have went to fourteen days instead of the seventeen days, but we won't know because you know they keep that keep that quiet. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an interesting time because the. Uh, Notre Dame Clemson game got watched a heck of a lot more in this household than uh, Ohio State against Northwestern, and uh, a certain young lad in my household was caught cheering for the team in Orange, and uh, we had to sit him down and try to set him straight. I don't think we did a good job of it, but but we tried hey, our best. Could you imagine how, how you're a you're a Buckeye? How's Herb Street feeling right now? Oh, Herb Street, Herb Street has to watch this every year. There's a reason why he's not in Columbus, though. Because yeah. he understand he understands what goes on within the confines of this state. And if Banster was on here, you, you know he he might stop for a second and try to backpedal on it. But he knows as well as I do that people and the I mean again the scarlet collar glasses are on, and it's a problem. It's a problem now. In the future, future looks great, but we aren't there yet. We're in twenty twenty, going to play in twenty twenty one. And we're going to get delivered um, a, a can of something that we we aren't ready for, and people are going to have a meltdown, and and they won't be right for, you know, they'll want to go back to 2020, but by the time that you know this is done, the people complained about this 2020, this year 2020, they're going to want to go back in the beginning of 2021 because of what's going to happen. I'm just trying to let them know. I'm just trying to be the good prophet, let them know what's going to happen here. So. If you're a Buckeye fan, brace yourself because it's like I, I said to someone the other day, the Romans paid to see Tigers Mall, gladiators in silver helmets, and history is about to repeat itself. 41-14. Okay. I don't, and I only say that because I don't know Coach Day. Davo don't like him. Yeah. And right, Coach well, Sweeney – would never put them 11th if he didn't know something the rest of us don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, let's take a little shift in gears here, and um, we're going to talk about the playoff system itself a little bit. Um, and, you know, there there may be a day uh, where we can have another episode that's specifically talking just about this subject, and we can go into a lot more depth with this. Um, because we are over, we're definitely over an hour uh, already. Um, but we're going to talk about our thoughts on the playoff. And, you know, my personal thought is it's what we have right now. It worked for a couple of years, but the system that they built wasn't meant to last much longer than a few years. They were supposed to, within the regional plans, after a few years, expand it after the, like a test trial. And we have not seen any evidence of any kind of expansion front coming up yet. 
the whole point of the bowl system that we have now was to get rid of the BCS, which everyone thought was because it was computers and the SEC was getting two teams in the national title game a couple years there. You know, it was unfair. And, you know, there was always the, the, the way I like to explain it is it's the Boise State situation. And the, the 2000s, the 2010s, uh, Boise State was that team from the outside looking in. They had the talent. They had the coaches. They were beating the snot out of every opponent they played, every opponent they played, including like a Virginia Tech, a pretty good Virginia Tech team, a decent Georgia team. Um, everybody they played in a bowl game, they beat the crap out of. It, if they were playing now, I think they would be the Cincinnati of the situation. If that Boise State team was playing now and they were doing the same thing they were doing back in the day, they would be in Cincinnati situation. The whole point of the bowl system was to give teams like that a shot, right? Give teams like, like a Boise State a shot at potentially making a national championship and giving the other Power 5 schools a shot as well, the ones who were not quite there. And guess what? We have not seen one group of five team in the playoff yet. And there have been a couple, specifically UCF, which I believe should have been there. But they never got the shot. Cincinnati, I, maybe. I don't know if this year's Cincinnati team was as good as UCF was a couple years ago under Scott Frost. Um, but I have a hard time seeing an undefeated – Division one football team, and you can talk about strength of schedule all you want. They're still unbeaten. They won their conference. I have a hard time telling a team like that you don't belong belong in a, in the national title game, or a, a ch you don't you don't deserve a chance because you're not this team. I have a hard time with that. Um, at the very least, we need a six-team playoff with, you know, at least one of those spots guaranteed to some, like, power five or group of five team, you know, the highest-ranked group of five, just to give them a shot. At the very least, I would love to see. I know a couple weeks ago somebody posted a uh, – it was a mock 16-team draft or 16-team playoff system where the top six – they had it the top 16 were in, in the top, out of the top 25. Personally, I would love to see a system that's set up very much like what Division Three has, at least from what I understand of what the Division Three playoffs is, is if you win your conference, you are guaranteed a spot in the playoff. And then the rest of the playoff slots are filled in by whoever – else is ranked in the top 25 and so on. We cannot call what we have right now with a straight face, a playoff system. What we have, and we mentioned it before, it's an invitational. And if you're not a big name school, if you're not in Ohio state, you're not a Notre Dame, you're not a Clemson, you're not in Alabama, you're not a Florida who could possibly could have made it. You're not an LSU. You're not getting in. <laughs> you know, they, they need to come out 
and I know I'm on a soapbox right now, they need to come out straight ahead at the beginning of the season and say, hey, Cincinnati, we know you're a good team this year, but you're not getting in the playoff no matter what you do. Period. They, they just need to come out with it. And I had a tweet the other day that I said, if this is the situation that we're going to be in and you're going to keep this playoff, we just need to go ahead and say what we need to do and split the Power Five conferences and the Group of Five conferences and just make new divisions within Division One. And each of those groups gets their own national championship. Because this is ridiculous. If, if these are Division One programs and they're going unbeaten – without a shot at, a, at being in, even in the playoffs, that's ridiculous. It's all about money. And the bowls don't matter anymore. The only bowls that matter are the playoffs. And the ones Army and Navy playing. Huh? And the ones Army and Navy playing. Yeah, I mean, like some of the smaller – like like I, I think we mentioned it before. Some of the smaller schools, for example, the one that I think of all the time last year, Kent State go to a bowl game and, and who got, God knows how long they, it's been since they've been to a bowl game. And they actually win the first bowl game in program history under one of the youngest head coaches in division one. Mm-hmm. That matters. That kind of thing matters. But tell me with a straight face that Texas A&M versus North Carolina in a, in a bowl game actually matters. Would you be surprised if North Carolina comes out and just beats the crap out of Texas A&M? Because there's the whole, you know, I know it's probably not like, likely to happen, but the whole situation where, like, does Texas A&M want to be there? It'd be great, though. Anytime an ACC team beats an SEC team, an angel gets their win. What, what are you guys' thoughts on expansion? Like, do you guys have, like, a preferred playoff system that you've yeah. been about? Yeah, the, the D3 works because you've got four regions, eight teams. you got four regions, eight teams. And uh, it it seems to work. You know, here's the thing. I, pretty much, Mount Union's in pretty much the neighbor's back. You know, when I say the neighbor's backyard, I mean I'm I'm real close to that. Um, Kent State is even closer. It's 20 minutes away from from where I live, uh, and it was great to see them. You know, have that opportunity. It'd be great to see a Mac school be able to. You know, be one of those teams that, that gets to play. Now, you're going to have a bunch of naysayers who are going to sit there and they're going to say, well, are they really one of the best teams? If we take 32 co- – I don't care. I don't care. How about representation? If they're part of the body uh, that makes up Division One, then they need to have a, a seat at that table. Now, if they get their heads kicked in, then guess what? they got to get better. It is what it is. We watch in March – and upsets happen. But it's still fun to watch because a 16 team forever got their heads kicked in most of the time by a one. And then all of a sudden, uh, Virginia loses to, uh, was it, Baltimore County. UMBC. UMBC. Yes. Okay. These are the kinds of things where um, it's good for the sport. It, you can't continue this invitational charade. You just can't open it up. Uh, you know, let it. It's just so much better for. Uh, and Kirkcurve Street said it. At the you know what it comes down to is you're telling ninety percent 
of major college football. Thanks for playing, but you're not in the big boys club. That has to change. That has to change. It's better. It's going to be better, healthier for, for the sport. Um, what we see with March Madness is it, it can happen with football. It, it, it can. It, it's, it would be you know a great opportunity. Now, we're going to get into all the talk of, well, who hosts games and things, things like that. Um, you know, there's, I don't care. There's still big time money and it's going to in, you know, Steve's surrounded by money here. I see that here, here's the bottom line. It needs to be shared. And that's another part of the whole thing. I think with, with the whole playoff, um, you know, there's this big, been this big debate and everything. Um, more money helps some of these players out. I understand where you know, that's a whole nother argument. Oh God. Wait, what I'm saying is you cannot just keep it consolidated to a few. It needs to be expanded out, um, and it's better for the sport. Mm-hmm. Basketball did it for for that reason, you know, so the small people could get, could get a piece of the pie, uh, and it's worked out well for them. What's wrong? Division three does it. My understanding, Division two does it. It works for them. And I think it's the same thing. Four regions, eight teams. You can't tell me that you're going to not get, you know, good matchups out of that. I agree. I, I think, um, and I, I'll be real quick on this. I think to meet everybody in the middle, they don't they don't want to add that many games. Eight-team playoff, five conference champs get in, two highest-ranked group of five get in, you get one at-large. If Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama all three lose their conference championship games, tough shit. Pick one of them, and it'll probably be Alabama. Yeah. And that's 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 my way. You get your top two group of fives by by the coaches' poll rankings. So the coaches are basically voting for what group of fives are the best, and then you get one at large. So you're probably second best SEC team because that's who everybody loves on. It, the second best SEC team gets in. That's. You placate everybody a little bit. Coach Steve? I agree with that. I also said, like, we always talk about the top 25, top 25. What does that mean? Now It used to be the top two. At the end of the year, you find out who's top two. Now it's the top four. If you're not the top four, it's like, oh, oh well, you didn't do it. And I think maybe just – first of all, they don't want to go up to 12 games a year, like the 12 games for the schools they don't want to do. Like FCS level, they play nine games and they do playoffs and they travel to each other's school and play and they go to the national championship. I love how they do it. So why can't you just do like, let's play nine or 10 games a year because we're division one, we're the big boys. Let's play nine or 10 games. Top 25 gets the playoff. The first seed gets a bye. So like Alabama would get a bye this week, like this playoff week and you play and they travel to each other's school because it's good recruiting for those schools. Like, could you imagine if, uh, I don't know, let's say, and I don't know, like somebody had to go to Coast Carolina, some big-time Division One that's ranked lower go to you know, uh, Coast Carolina. That's big-time recruiting. That's getting them on TV. That's get bringing us – without COVID, that's fans. Mm-hmm. And then maybe two things. The rest of the teams have a qualifier where they go play a bowl game. Like it still kind of means something. Or do what basketball does. Like this is the playoff for this region or whatever. This is top 25. And then like when NCAA has that um, – 
other bracket they do. NIT. NIT. Do something like that. Like, okay, then the next 25 or 30 or whoever, you got to have this qualifier of how many wins you have, and you guys go have your own so they continue to play. And then now you have something to shoot for. Like, now we have a better shot to get to top 25, or we have a shot to get to top 50 or 60 and still go play, even though it's the minor league playoff, go play. It's more realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, if they don't want to change everything, but try to do something like that and not just whatever, because the top 25 means nothing. After a while, like, it's cool. Like, for Coastal Carolinas of the world and stuff, it's cool to be ranked. Like, I would love Illinois to be ranked up that high. Like, I would have been ecstatic. But then at the end of the day, it's like, at the end of the day, when you have a team competing for the playoffs, it means nothing. Like, right now, A&M and Cincinnati would have a shot if it was top 25. Like, okay, we're in the playoff. Like, we have a chance. And I'm not going to lose that much money playing only nine games. If you want to play more and make more money, win. Recruit and win. I think that's another way to go about it. Another thing you get with those, you talk about the bowl money and revenues and all that. If you do eight, you keep your New Year six. Those are your playoff games. And then you add a seventh, which is the national championship. And you rotate that thing around the country. The Barstool Sports Bowl. The Barstool National Championship. Let's get it going. Go, Prez, go. Steve, I, I like that idea. The only thing is, hypothetically speaking, a let's say you get a, a Sun Belt team who comes out of nowhere and wins their conference, but they're not ranked in the top 25. Do they deserve into the national championship bracket, or are they only able to get into the, the other bracket? Because – Conference, they, they keep saying conference championships mean something, but as of right now, I haven't really seen it yet. I mean, once, once you raise my pay for these shows, I'll put more work into thinking about that. <laughs> but once you get that bang energy, well, I gave up bang energy drink, so you don't have to get that sponsorship no more. Uh, I'll go back to coffee. Give me a coffee sponsorship and I'll, I'll think about it. What about I'll, try playing? To, I'll try to call it Black Rifle. <laughs> what about playing games? For, for I mean, let, let's say we come up, you know, we're in a scenario where, uh, you know, such and such team wins, you know, they're, they're conference champion. There's questions of, well, let the little guys go against each other. I mean, I hate to say it, but you, you need That's to get, what basketball like, does, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The it's there, you know, there's, there's so many options, but there's such a myopic view of, of this that you know and it's driven by money but you got to open this up for the health of the sport um you know and you know who knows what happens with this whole i mean there's a whole i guess my understanding is there's a chain of other lawsuits and things to where you know it's going to end up players are going to be unionized or something now i mean who knows where this thing goes stay out in front of it Create a system that works for players. Make sure that you have a system that works for, uh, you know, for the sport. Because, uh, you know, that's what matters. That's, that's really at the end of the day, that's what matters. You want to have a great product. It has to be changed because people are falling, falling out of love with this whole thing. I mean, there's more hate than anything about one of the, the – about the pinnacle of college football. Big time college football right now. People hate it. Why? Because it's all wrong. And it's so simple. It's so simple to fix. 
And people will say, no, it's not that simple. Yes, it is. It's just that people have to put money and ego aside and really take a, a good hard look at this thing. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on um, fixing the playoffs? Long as Clemson keeps making it, it's all matter. <laughs> yep, that's where that's the new son. Lovey Smith is gone. We're okay. And you t- did he take his beard with him? He shaved that off this year. Did he? Before the year started, because he went to Arizona. He has a house in Arizona. Oh, he went yeah. there right before the pandemic. So then he was stuck there. So he was like, "It's hot here. I have to shave it off." <laughs> that's that's why. That's you why trust, you trust the losses back that right there. Like Samson got his hair cut, the beard went, and all the power went. Hey, you know, Bielema looks excited to be there. He, Brad Underwood, the basketball coach for you, I called him and told the reporters, talking to him, it feels like he actually wants to be here. So he took a shot at Lovey. Underwood took a shot at Lovey. Like, yeah, this guy wants to be here. Mm-hmm. Their facilities are getting done. They showed a tour of them. They look pretty nice. So hopefully we'll see. If y'all weren't going to hire Jeff Munkin, y'all couldn't have done better than Brett Bielema for many reasons. He wasn't even on my radar. I said Munkin, uh, Sean Lewis, and then <laughs> – Coach Lewis for Kent State. He's from State. Illinois. Yeah. He's I didn't watch a lot of matching this year. He played at – and he coached at Eastern with Babers. He was his OC at Syracuse. You love some Babers, don't you? Well, I was just thinking of <laughs> Illinois ties. Like, Munkin has Illinois ties. Sean Lewis is from here. Some Illinois ties. Uh, I was praying to the Lord above that Gus would just put money aside and come. But I think he's going to be Nick Saban's OC when Sarkeesian goes to Auburn. Watch. That would be excellent. I don't think Malzahn's going to coach. He might go to Arizona. Yeah. I think it takes some time away. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I don't. I don't yeah. I, I don't. That or go to be an OC somewhere. Bielema's OC at Illinois. Let's go. Let's give me the good both worlds here. No, you need you need to get you a guy that'll get in the eye. And He's not. Up. He's not going back to that. What's he, is he going to try to be spread like everybody else? He wants to be – he wants to run the ball, but he wants to – like what Clemson does. So he's going to do it from the shotgun at Illinois? Hope y'all lose every game. <laughs> yeah. That's un- that is unbelievable. Brett Bielema, he should know better. Mm-hmm. He should know better. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get to our last segment here and – Extremely hot water. Talk about bowl games. <laughs> I'm getting tickets as we speak. Talking about bowl games. Um, for what? She's part of that contract for Illinois fans. You get into no, I'm not getting into it. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> that's that premium pass there, Coach. <laughs> that's, the, that's the group Texas Illinois fans are a part of that I just probably should just, just like that, the football, the armchair coaching podcast is brought to an end. <laughs> so, the, yeah. bowl matchups, I mean – Part, part of the conversation that we had earlier is I honestly, you know, there's something has to change about the way the bowls are, are done, you know, but Bennett did make a good argument that if we changed it, there would be some, there would be times where we would not get certain matchups that we actually enjoy watching. And I mean, you know, it's hard to it's hard to argue the Army West Virginia. That seems like a very interesting matchup right there. This is like 
this is to me to offer army. This is that prove it game. Like we, 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 we talk about army all the time. And a lot of us like triple option wing T guys, we like to say, Hey, you run an, uh, an offense like this, you can take a group of players who might not have as much talent and you can beat the big boys and play with the big boys. Now, West Virginia, they're a power five school, but they're not the best power five school. But if you don't beat West Virginia, then you're proving a lot of the the naysayers correct. You, you know what I mean? Like you're the, a lot of those guys would say triple option sucks, you know, even though, yeah, Army did beat Houston by like 70 points a couple of years ago. That was an awesome game. But other than the Army-West Virginia game, I mean, you can talk about that one, but are there any other matchups that you guys are looking forward to? And I'm going to go ahead and, and steal one because I know one of you is going to say it. Liberty and Coastal Carolina. That one – it should have happened in the regular season, but it didn't. We ended up getting a pretty darn good BYU Coastal Carolina game. I don't know if this is the – I don't agree that this is the game that Coastal Carolina deserves after the season that they've had. I think they should have had a shot at a big boy. But I still think this is a very intriguing matchup because I think they're about the same in talent-wise. And, you know, one is – you know, spread them and tread them, and the other is triple and slow it down. It's going to be very interesting. It's a kind of a contrast of styles. Yes, I know they're both in shotgun, but it's a contrast of styles here. So that's the game I'm looking for. What other games, since a lot of them are being canceled apparently, what are some other matchups that we're looking at that you guys are interested in watching? Army, West Virginia. I called it. I said it before the podcast started. Shepard stole my thunder. Army, West Virginia. Cincinnati plays Georgia, so let's see if Cincinnati deserves to be in the conversation. And then you got Florida and Oklahoma. I, I think that could be a good one. Mm-hmm. And Texas. If Cincinnati A&M, beats Georgia. They'll kick them out of the SEC. <laughs> and then Texas A&M, if they weren't so pissed off, it might be a good one against North Carolina. North Carolina is pretty good. Those are some good ones. And now that I have no games to pick from because Steve has listed them all. Now, there's one he forgot. And I think it's very important. And I think it's important for both programs. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, Indiana's on a mission. I don't know how many of you follow Coach Allen. His whole thing is blinders and earmuffs. And they are staying on, you know, the – you know, they're staying with the mission, staying, you know, with the vision. They have Ole Miss. That's that's two programs that are trying to do uh, big things, and I think that that's a very intriguing matchup. Uh, I think Indiana's got to be mad because, you know, you're playing on the second in an outback bowl. I don't think they deserve that. I think they're, they're better than that. But uh, it's a prove-it. It definitely is a prove-it game for, for both of those. Uh, you know the SEC. Are they going to get uh, have a team get beat by a you know a Big Ten team? We'll we'll see. I mean that's not the, what the the best the SEC has to offer. But Indiana has to go and you know well we'll see. I I think that I think Indiana pulls this one out, and I think it's a great statement for them and for the conference because right now I don't know if the conference has Big Ten conference has too much to hoop and holler about. 
whenever you see what, what kind of situation they got in. Um, you know, I, again, Hoosier born, been a long time since Indiana football has been relevant, if it ever has been. It's always in the shadow of the team that plays in Assembly Hall. But, you know, the bottom line is that I think that's an intriguing matchup. But uh, Indiana might be the one shining moment as far as the, you know, as far as football goes here with uh, with bowls uh, for for the Big Ten, it doesn't look good to me um, for for the conference. That might be the one opportunity they have to uh, have a team show up and, and do something great. Because I still I still don't feel good about Northwestern uh, in that matchup. I mean, you take Gus out of the out of the equation, I still say that they're probably better than Northwestern. Mm-hmm. All right. Um... Any other final thoughts before we shut this one down for the night? Yeah. Yeah. What are the that, seven – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I was going to say, I, I made a joke earlier about, you know, the whole thing of, you know, people here in, in the state in, w- in which I live, um, you know, there's a curfew here and it's 10 o'clock and that's probably going to be a good thing because there might be some bad things happen after that uh, Ohio State Clemson game. But I'm the biggest Buckeye homer in the world. And I tell you what, it was really tough to come on here. And like I say, you know, friends, these are the facts. You know, bottom line is that I, I am intrigued by, you know, the little things inside of some of these matchups. And we've already kind of talked about, you know, who we think is going to win. But I think that's the, the beauty of college football. Even in a loss, you're seeing chess game going on. Uh, and I think that's why football, you know, football, even at the college level, is one of the greatest, uh, you know, if not the greatest sport on the face of the earth. I just don't understand why, uh, you know, people like to take digs at it. It's, it's just awesome. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it. We can talk about, you know, we and we have tonight. We talked about the whole fact of who we think is going to win on paper and what's probably going to happen. And it's awesome to be able to, you know, talk about things and. Um, you know, I'm just glad to be back with you guys. You guys are, are, are fun. You know, I, again, I spend my time behind the scenes editing. It's good to actually see you guys' faces, even if uh, you're thousands of miles away. So much love to you guys. Is it good to see Coach Myers' face? I, I loved it. it. It actually, like, it made me chuckle throughout the, the evening because, you know, we're about to go back to that. So I'm, I'm just getting prepared, man. I'm just getting prepared. I'll leave y'all with a riddle. What are the seven most important letters in the English alphabet? C L E M S O N. Belama. Belama's dead to me now. That's all I got. Mm. Coach Steve, any final thoughts? Hopefully, Illinois football gets back on the map. Hopefully not. Bielema. <laughs> it's just speculation, power spread run. All he All said right. was he's going to adapt because the game is now sideline to sideline. Well, it was sideline to sideline. He was at Wisconsin winning 10 games a year, too. It might. <laughs> right. I don't know why Illinois so – I don't know why – I mean, come on, Steve. Why, why are you going to be so angry? Your fans had plenty to look at last year. The back of guys when they were running to score touchdowns on the other end of the field. Wasn't that entertaining to you? And watching Lovey stand there and do nothing? Like, oh, I scored. Right. At least you have a guy who's going to say what he wants and how he wants and do what he wants to do. Well, and he's getting paid more than Lovey. That's even more funny. And they increased his budget. That's more funny. So you pay more for more of the same. Awesome. No, 
I think what it sounds, what it sounds like to me. I think Lovey had no Lovey had no connect with Illinois high school coaches. No. Within an hour of him calling or getting hired, he was calling our union or the Illinois High School Association. Hey, wasn't nobody on the other end of that phone. He did that for Twitter so they could video him talking to somebody. I saw it on Zoom. <laughs> he's a, he's been too busy talking to the media recently. Yeah, I mean, he's we'll... back. He's back in the in the. Uh, I wouldn't call it a spotlight. I don't know what would you call that. A nightlight? Because <laughs> Illinois is not relevant yet. And I don't think they're ever going to be. Again, paying more money to a guy who's going to give you more of the same. That's, that's a bad spot. It, that's a, a great job for Biluma to get back into the uh, head coach's uh, office. But If he can I, get I into a bowl game in the next two years, that's success. I think me. so. I'll I think, give you that. I'll give you that. I think so. I think he's going to bring energy and toughness. Lovey didn't have that. I think that he's going to bring more toughness and energy because I saw Illinois get pumped up for – they're losing by 30 and they tackle and they're pumping their chest and Lovey's on to happen. He would pull them by the face mask and be like, what the hell are you doing? We're losing by 30 and you're doing this. Lovey's an NFL coach. He thinks it should be played through and it's not. You've got college kids and this kid, he'll know how to do it. Mm-hmm. All right, John. doesn't sound like it. Not if he's not going to be doing it with fullbacks and tight ends. <laughs> We will talk. We will talk some Illinois football because I think the next set of teams that we're going to talk about is going to be the Big Ten. We're going to take a break from the SEC for a little while and talk a little bit of Big Ten football. We'll decide uh, who we talk about first. Probably not uh, that team up north yet, but um, why we'll not? <laughs> oh, we. I mean, eventually we will. I mean, we, we got to. We've got got to get through all of them. But we'll, I'm I'm a little tired of. Michigan right now, but I'm a little tired of Texas too. I'm thinking about jumping ship. Can we All replace right. Michigan and Clemson? Can we do that yet? Can we just go ahead and play the game instead of playing? Don't do Clemson? that to Illinois. Don't be doing that. It already hurts enough. <laughs> I mean, seriously, can we just play that? That would be a better game for us than what's it, what's about to happen. Mm. Did I already mention that a couple of times? Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. All right, guys, this has been the Armchair Coaching Podcast, and this is Coach Sheffer signing off. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath, and if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother.